0: to Is That Embarrassing? This is an unfiltered and sometimes hilarious public airing of secrets and private thoughts. Each episode, will dive into personal secrets, our guest secrets, and listener-submitted secrets, all while debunking the stigma, self-consciousness, awkwardness, and feelings of embarrassment that sometimes surround these topics. I'm your host, Stephanie. So, it's been a minute, guys. Um, It's been a minute. If you're here, you're tuning in, I want to say thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Since, you know, um, COVID-19 happened, quarantine happened, me coming back to Michigan happened, um, there's been a little bit of inconsistency in um, content, and I, you know, don't want to pretend it didn't happen. I want to address it and just sincerely, um, thank everybody for their loyalty and their support. Um, even during the weeks where, um, you know, content wasn't being produced. So, um, with that said, you know, the, I mean, COVID-19 has been an adaption for everyone. Quarantine has been an adaption and an adjustment for everyone. Um, and it hasn't been easy. I'm also a, type A person a lot of the time and um, I have had a vision for this podcast for a year now. One thing that's always been big for me is um, you know the quality of the sound and right now it is average maybe below average um, because I cannot sit across from my guests with the gear that I have or sit in a studio and work with an engineer. And so uh, I've had to kind of let go of control, let go of the idea of perfection, and just embrace the times that we're living in and, you know, continue creating. So, um, I mean, we're a little bit into this episode, and I'm sure that you are kind of Wondering if I'm going to address the elephant in the room, which is that I am recording this episode alone. Um, I do have an announcement, which is that Sammy will be stepping down from the podcast as the co host. Um, I, you know, there are no details really necessary to share other than um, on a professional and personal level. I love Sammy. Um, She has some really great ideas. I know she's, you know, talked about pursuing her own podcast as a host, and um, I... I wish her nothing but the best with that. I think that she's going to succeed. I think that um, she's one of the most creative, funny, bubbly, lovely people that I've met. And so um, while, you know, we won't be working professionally together on this podcast anymore, I wish her the best and I don't have any hard feelings um, towards her and, you know, her decision to step down. So um, I am... I, You know, when Sammy and I had this conversation, um, I initially thought, am I going to have another co-host? What is this going to look like? And for anyone who is like a Nasty Gal fan who has followed me into this podcast, um, you know that the transition of like like producing Nasty Gals and then moving to New York and I had two different co-hosts during that time as well as one guest who was a regular guest and kind of served as a co-host and it really just made it um, difficult from a consistency standpoint and so I have made the decision not to seek out another co-host I'm just going to continue recording with guests and um you know, hopefully producing content that will keep drawing you guys in and um, remain relevant to everyone in one sense or another. I have had, again, a vision for this podcast for a year now and I don't take that vision lightly. Um, I really hope to see it bloom and yeah, I really hope that, you know, regardless, um, that You guys will stick around, and I hope to have Sammy back as a reoccurring guest. Um, so yeah, that's as much as I kind of want to dive into that. There are exciting things for the podcast coming, so I know I addressed like the inconsistency, and a lot of that is tied to everything going on with like just not you know living under normal circumstances, I guess you could say. And so, I I'm making it like a an, an int- intention to have a new episode launched every Thursday. Um, yeah, that it's very important to me. I have awesome guests lined up that I've been planning for a while now. Um, we're covering a large range of topics, and um, I actually I'll, it'll be announced formally on the Instagram here in a little in a little bit. But um, we have an artist who is joining the um ite gang who's gonna be uh, drawing up a lot of art for our instagram feed and uh, website is coming soon and so there's just you know it's been a really difficult couple of weeks um and it, it's been a roller coaster of emotions um but there are some good things coming and i am excited um so that's enough that's enough of me just talking into a void that is your airpods this week's guest is a former co-worker of mine but most importantly they're a friend um, they are the kind of person whose energy makes you feel like you belong and these past few months I've really had the pleasure of watching them bloom in more ways than one. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to bring on Alina Palet Weeks. My heavy heart's always under a tide. Running in circles around the racetrack
1: All right. Hello. Hi. Hi. (laughs) What's up? How are you? I'm great. I'm quarantining and, you know, staying sane, Mm -hmm. kind of.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I've already kind of introduced you, um, but I'm going to give you the floor to tell everyone about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, I guess these days I'm spending a lot of time in the sun with coffee and my dog and uh <laughs> painting and making art and all of that but um yeah I uh I've been unemployed since January I left um our company yeah. uh, so it, this was like which was like a deliberate choice of course but um I obviously became this like extended break once corona hit so um you know definitely uh an interesting time but um yeah I'm uh currently quarantining in Westchester, um, north of the city and, uh, not commuting, which is, you know, probably the best part about everything. Um, yeah. yeah. and, uh, <laughs> me and, um, my husband, Brian and our dog, Scotty, and, uh, yeah, um, my family's in New Jersey, so, um, it's been nice that they are also both safe and also close by enough that we can do some socially distanced hangs and whatnot, um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. And it, I mean, I've never been to your guys place, but it seems like you are surrounded by a lot of nature, which I feel like (laughs) is an ideal place to be right now. um, Because you can go outside and it's like enjoyable. You're not, you know, bumping shoulders with people and dealing with foot traffic. So that's nice.
1: Yes, definitely nice. There's certainly, um, certainly some really good things about being in a house and not in our like 500 square foot apartment in Brooklyn that we were once in. Um, oh, yeah. I couldn't imagine having been there right now. I'm like really grateful for our current <laughs> setup. Um, got a good patio, lots of trees. Yeah, so I'm jealous
0: great. of the patio. Um, that was a, a big thing, like coming home. I'm, I'm planning my return to, gosh, I have these papers and they keep falling. I'm just, I'm going to hold them, I guess. Um, I'm planning my return to Brooklyn within the next like week or two. Probably. Oh, are you? Yeah. But, um, it's just been so nice here to have, especially at my dad specifically, he has 40 acres. So oh. to go on like hikes with Penelope and oh just gosh. like sit out in the sunroom. And it's been, honestly kind of a break from the city that I didn't know that I needed just uh, you know the hustle of like the company that we we used to work for together like it's just a hustle in the city in general and so to have the time to not have to like you know deal with trains being delayed and a million Mm -hmm. people crowded on it and then yeah it's just it's been a little bit of a relief honestly so
1: yeah for sure I oh god what 40 acres what I would do with 40 acres oh
0: my gosh we have chickens <laughs> they're like in the process of getting goats it's beautiful I'm like what? I'm not
1: a farm you <laughs> gotta stick around for the goats
0: I know I'm not like a farm or country girl at all but I love nature and I feel like yes. as much as I love this city it is definitely um just like made my desire to connect with nature even stronger <laughs> Mhm. Yeah. I got that. Yeah. So um yeah. So as previously mentioned, we worked together for most of 2019 and then you decided to make some personal moves uh, for your life, They're which bad. I was like in the background cheering you on. We would never have the time to talk at work, but somehow we would always run into each other at the bathroom in and the I'd be like, like, what is going on with your life? So um, so you ended up applying for your master's in social work. Well, what has that been like?
1: Um really interesting and um it was a definitely like a tough decision but Mm -hmm. um you know I this wasn't the first time that I left a a job that didn't like feel right for me Mm -hmm. um and like go directly into kind of like an unsteady what's next what the next direction is like Mm -hmm. I quit without a, a a lined up job somewhere else um and so like well I did like enjoy a lot of parts about, um, working there and in the city and the people I met, like it was just really not aligned with me. And, um, I knew I wanted to do more with what I am good at. Um, and hopefully, uh, use the skills in a different field, um, for the betterment of the lives of other people and not just myself and, um, you know, get some more fulfillment Fulfillment than product management in a technology company has ever gotten me. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, that field is like a lot closer to me than just uh, the tech field in general. Um, I've been on the receiving end of some help from social workers and therapists in my life, particularly the last year. Um, so while it was like this tough, scary decision, I like realized that it was so aligned with me. Um, and... I'm glad to say that I did get into school and Yay! I didn't just like quit um, and, and it was nothing. So I'm really glad it was worth the risk. I um, took a lot of time um, working on essays and applications and stuff uh, that were, you know, cause you to like really explore why you want to do this and uh, do a lot of self-exploration. So anyway, I'll be attending um, Fordham's Graduate School of Social-, Social Service in the fall, hopefully in person, potentially virtually, well, we'll see what happens. Um, But yeah, this ties in quite significantly with uh, the secret that I'd like to share.
0: Yeah. So if you are ready, I'd love to, you know, kind of make that tie and uh, hear what your (laughs) secret is.
1: Yeah. um, So I've struggled to uh, accept myself and embrace um, myself in full, which includes my gender and sexual sexual identities as a queer person. Um, until very recently, um, I am I use the labels I guess bi, pan, queer, and also gender queer and gender fluid. And um, I kind of like to say that I'm queer squared, as it were. <laughs> um, queer all around, all around, all the queer. <laughs> through and through. Yes. Um so yeah, it's uh but obviously been a journey to get to that point. Um and I, as I said very recent. So yeah, um while it's like kind of public, the part that is or hasn't been really that I'm this is really the first time I'm talking about it publicly is the, the gender fluidity, gender clearness part. Um sort of subtly said a little bit about it, didn't realize I was like kind of adding myself in an Instagram post. Recently, uh, when somebody asked me about my pronouns, and I was like, oh God, I just became very aware of what I was just doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I'm really excited to kind of dive into this because um, I, I know I've told you like previously that we've received a lot of listener-submitted secrets um, from people who, you know, are struggling coming out to their family, um, people who are struggling with gender identity, things of that nature, and I mean, I'm like the most disgustingly privileged person I'm very well aware like I am a straight white woman um, nope. and so and so while I you know obviously um and I try to be really aware and I try to research and like be familiar with the like, you know, with different gender identities, sexual orientation, things like that. I can't really speak or relate to these questions being submitted from experience because I've never sure. had to experience coming out. I mean, I I think there are like plenty of TV shows that make the joke, but like imagine like having to sit down with your parents and be like, mom, dad, I'm straight, you know? Yeah, and so it's just right. like you don't, sure. you don't know the emotions behind that. And so I'm so excited to... Um, have you on as somebody who has gone through this recently and who has experience and to just dive into your story and yeah I I think that it's going to be you know really relatable and hopefully help someone who's listening.
1: Yeah for sure Um, which is definitely like why I want to share and so first of all I really just want to congratulate you on doing this and the whole theme of this podcast because I think uh drawing attention to things that like are you know maybe quote unquote embarrassing or a little bit secretive or you know shameful or whatever is really like attacking that shame head on and i love that um i think that's the only way that we all become comfortable with who we are in general so i'm really grateful for anybody who like attacks that kind of thing and really like drills into it and exposes it and is vulnerable and is courageous and i just really love that about you so Thank, Thank you. you for doing that.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, my vision has all for this has just been, um, I mean, there are things in my life that I have refrained from talking about to people for years and years. And then after you do it, you're like, why was that? Why did I make that such a big deal? Yeah. And it's usually because <laughs> of like societal pressures, right? Or sure. stigmas. And so, yeah, that's what this this is all about is um, kind of shedding a light on those harder subjects and also like I try to bring a comic approach to it as much as possible. you know, right. I mean it's easy for things to get kind of dark real quick. Um, but thank you. like that's that's yeah. very kind of you. thank you. Um, uh. <laughs> so yeah, so moving on. So you um, you have recently started identifying um, as uh, bi pan queer, and then also gender queer and fluid.
1: gender yes. fluid
0: which is like a lot for me to be honest. I mean <laughs> half of it I was like familiar with, but the gender sure. stuff is like newer territory. Sure. Um so so yeah, I guess to begin since you like threw those labels out there, um do you want to spend a couple minutes ag- like acknowledging um and explaining what they mean to you personally and like also what they mean in general based on like research that you've conducted?
1: Sure, sure. Cool. Um Yeah. I mean, first I want to say like, I'm in no way an expert, um, at all. And Mm -hmm. while I look forward to studying much of this in school, as well as like just on my own, um, you know, and like, while I am well read, I guess, or more so than, you know, the average, um, can really only speak to my own experience, um, and my own like interpretation and identity of labels and, you know, certainly I've had plenty of discussions and experience with other people, but, um, you know, that being said, like part of all of this that I have learned too, is that I'm like learning new shit about myself all the time, um, and about other people and about how, uh, you know, there's just different things that are going to come up as like I evolve as a person and as I let myself evolve as a person. So, um, you know, I might kind of fuck something up or tomorrow I might feel a little bit differently or I might say something today and tomorrow it doesn't quite, you know, feel exactly right or what have you. But, um, I think that's like a big part of this is like letting there be some imperfection in that. And I think that's the same way, um, that anybody who is not some variety of queer, uh, can be accepting of other people, like knowing that you don't have to be, Perfect about it. So, while I will do my best to explain myself and my labels, um, you know, other people may interpret these things differently or use them in a different way. Um, But for me, identifying as bisexual and pansexual and queer to me means that I'm attracted to um, more than one gender, which is how "bi" is defined for the unfamiliar. So there are also more than two genders, which we can get to, Um, and also that being bisexual does not exclude uh, trans folks. And it's not just limited to like men and women. Um, it's really just, I'm attracted to, um, you know, my, maybe my own gender and more than one other gender, um, or one other gender, uh, at least. And so, um, and the bi part doesn't necessarily mean just two, right. It just means like one and, um, and then, you know, sometimes it's just regardless of gender, which is how pan is defined. It's um, And pan and bi, like, tend to overlap in a lot of ways, and some people kind of identify as both um, or feel like more one than the other. Even in the queer community, there's a little bit of a debate around, like, all of that. And that's really, you know, fun and another topic. But um, then somewhere in between and beyond that, there's, like, the fluidity and, like, the multiplicity of the word queer, which at first... Um, You know, I just kind of thought of myself as not straight, uh, in quotes, and queer. And the word queer obviously carries, like, a lot of history, Um, you know, was used in a pretty derogatory way Um, earlier on. And some people even in the queer community don't love the word, but I do. Um, And while, like, all of these labels can, you know, have their own uh, meanings and connotations, like, sometimes it can feel a little limiting or confiding for certain people, um, they also help communicate and describe and like find people who are like you or who are not like you or like at least just, you know, create some, um, you know, signal that like this is who I am. So I, I appreciate the labels and and I like them, all of them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, so so just to reiterate, you identify as bisexual, meaning that you're attracted to more than one gender but not limited to two genders. And then mm-hmm. you identify as pansexual, meaning that you experience attraction completely regardless of gender. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting point, what you brought up about labels though, because I do have, um, friends who just try to separate entirely from labels, which I respect and that's valid. Um, but I'm the type of person where like, I guess if I like had to try to put myself in that situation, I would be a labels person because it gives (laughs) you like, uh, they help to provide a little bit more like clarity and more of like not like a definitive rule but kind of you know like if you yeah. say queer to someone they can google queer and like kind of start researching yeah. and put the pieces together for themselves um themselves and so yeah that makes sense that you you know that you really take pride in in those um labels and utilizing them
1: yeah and like queer for example is like so um I, I do love the versatility of that and the fact that it, it, it can, it has multiple meanings and can define both like an individual. It's a descriptor, it's a uh, group and a community, which is something that I didn't have as mm-hmm. a positive person. Um, so I think that's why I'm like particularly attached to that one. Um, and I like being able to just describe queerness as its own, like uh, giant umbrella, as opposed to, you know, one specific thing, um, again, queer squared, queer all around. (laughs) Um, everything queer. Absolutely. Um, so
0: I, I guess to kind of dive in a little bit further, can you explain, um, for listeners who may not be familiar with the terms, um, what gender queer and gender fluid is, um,
1: yeah. yeah, in your
0: experience even.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So people have different ways of, of interpreting this and, um, uh, you know looking at this label relating to these labels um for me you know as i became as i came out as as bi and queer like i you know began to more freely explore what it means to be queer and for what it means to have attraction to other people and how does that also uh you know impact and reflect on myself and my own gender um and began to acknowledge and not deny myself my own queerness in that way as well and that i'm not just not quite just what i was assigned which is female um there's a a term afab in the community to stands for an acronym stands for assigned female at birth Um, and so you know i didn't even see gender as an assignment for a long time did not like really understand trans people and i think part and like anybody non-binary or anybody gender fluid or queer of any kind like visibly or otherwise I, I didn't quite get it and I think it was um something that like I was so determined to figure out and I, I think that's part of like your brain kind of like attaching to something that like might relate to you yeah, or might yeah. um, you know like it was it was telling me like okay you need to figure this out like you need to figure like you, there is something there for you um and uh you know, I think as I've like reflected more and more recently, um, you know, being called just a, being called a woman, like, kind of felt like I was like misunderstood or that it was like a little bit just not complete for me. Um, and that I felt a little distant from womanhood, but I also like still want to honor that and still have had, you know, my whole life conditioned as a woman and, uh, an experience in that way. Um, but I've always just been a little bit removed from, from it. And I didn't understand that. Um, and so, you know, exploring that has been and like playing with that and playing with gender and realizing like, Oh wait, this has kind of been here all along. Um, now I just sort of have words for it and just have like a, a way to communicate it has, (laughs) um, just, been kind of enlightening uh it felt like kind of one of those things that like just isn't new and it's not like particularly like just you know random new thing that came up in the last couple of days it's just yeah. that this like, acknowledgement and embracing of that is um is new and and I don't know that I would have like even just gotten there without ex- having the openness to explore my sexuality too. Um, and, and, you know, maybe it doesn't happen in that order for certain people. Um, it may happen in different ways. There's like a tons of different variations across the spectrum of where people sit on, um, gender. And it's also a fluid thing for me. I experience, um, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm woman Henry Roar and sometimes I feel like, Oh my God, I, I, that's doesn't, that just doesn't feel right to me. Um, yeah. So, uh, there, you know, the, the language around all of this too has evolved quite a bit and will continue. And I, you know, have some of my own exploration to do as well. But, um, in like recently adopting, um, they pronouns in addition to she, um, which feels feminine to me, which I like and embrace, um, you know, they also leave room for the expansion of myself, um, and to go beyond just how I feel as a person with a vagina
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and I I feel like I mean uh, just kind of thinking about it um in the moment like that she um while it is like this beautiful like feminine thing to be attached to there's also so many um like preconceived ideas that are attached to it right and so to kind of experience the freedom from that I'm sure is really liberating um right And yeah, it's like you said too, that everyone, everyone goes through their own timing, their own journey, and no one story is going to look like the next. Um, I have a friend who, um, who, you know, recently um, came out as identifying as bisexual And she was like, but, you know, I don't really know if I can tell people I'm bisexual, because I'm mostly attracted to men. And I was like, girlfriend, any amount is valid. Like, it does not matter who you're predominantly attracted to. Like, if that's what you're feeling, and that's like how, like, you feel comfortable identifying, then embrace it, embrace it 100%. Yeah. And I mean,
1: oh, God, I struggle kind of constantly with the, like, am I queer enough to, like, be yeah. this, like, loud and unapologetic about who I am? Like, I have immense privilege, um, particularly as a bisexual in a straight-passing marriage, um, and somebody who presents, at least as right now, like, very, you know, uh, maybe not very feminine, I'm not, like, the super feminine person, but I, um, you know, definitely, like, I have long, longer hair. I have, like, I don't, like, you know, there's there's a ton of trans and non-binary folks and queer folks who, you know, have a totally different experience from me around the way that, that they differ from society's idea of a gender. So um, while I remain so close to that and I'm sort of protected by that privilege, it is also erasing in that there's not... Um, there's not like a huge acknowledgement, obviously it's like my own experience because it is sort of like clouded by this like protection of whiteness, like uh, higher economic class education, able-bodiedness, you know, uh, and my marriage and my like (laughs) 10 year relationship with a man. Um, So, you know, there is like a ton there. And I think it's also why I feel like I need to be, um, a bit more vocal about what i am because if not me with all of this privilege then like how is it any easier for somebody without that kind of privilege um so i'd like commend anybody who comes out who is does not have all of that kind of background and resources and access to mental health care and supportive family and friends like this is just it is a totally different experience for me than it would be for somebody else. It doesn't mean it wasn't fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean it wasn't torturous. doesn't mean it wasn't really painful, um, but it can just be so isolating for some other folks. And so if anybody who listens to this, like, you know, you don't have to go through this in any particular way and, you know, being able to come out um, in your own way, in a safe way, in small ways and big ways is like, um, you know it can be really really truly liberating
0: yeah no that those are all really valid points and i'm kind of, i'm glad that you touched on privilege because that is um I mean, it's a it's a huge thing and it's a humbling thing to try to have to like to have to step forward and be like, I'm privileged. Like a lot of people don't have the humility to just come out and say that. Um, But yeah, I mean, there is enough in the news and media um, for us to have solid grounds to know that there are a lot of injustices that um, are against transgender people, um, people who are queer. And so, yeah, the fact that you identify that, you know, regardless of everything being difficult, you do still have um, like privilege behind you is I commend that. Um, So I guess I'm curious as to because you and Brian have been together how long now?
1: Nearly ten years. I think uh, we started seeing each other like August. Um, yeah, August, almost ten years ago.
0: <laughs> and how long have you been married?
1: Um, this September will be two years.
0: Oh, yay! Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, so when do you think that you began feeling like you might identify in these ways? Um, what were were there like thoughts, feelings, indicators that you had? Um, specifically, I guess geared towards like. Um, like identifying as bisexual and queer.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, ugh, I mean, I think I went through like various phases with this. Um, and I, like looking back in retrospect, like everything was there for like a long time in small and big ways. But, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't recognize that like my feeling towards a person um you know was what it was I, I didn't know that like I didn't understand attraction outside of my attraction to men because I'd had no frame of reference for it so like I went from like sort of not knowing things to then okay um I guess I have these things but like denying the hell out of them to myself and to anybody else and then like actively suppressing it um to, you know, finally getting to where I am. But, like, I, as a kid, definitely, like, bought the, like, girly stuff and was pretty tomboyish. And, um, you know, I did a bunch of sports and tried to, like, <laughs> do a bunch of different things. But, you know, all those sports and stuff are very um, – obviously, sports are gendered, right? Like, we play yeah. as <laughs> women or men, and that's it. Um, and in sports, too, especially in training, and particularly as a swimmer, which I was um, – You know, there's a lot of uh, critique of body and um, physical, you know, form and shape and are you in shape and are you strong? And, you know, how does that like
0: ballet too? ballet is, I mean, I grew up in a Uh, lot of uh, dance classes and it's like, ah, a lot of pressure.
1: Right. So, so much pressure and so much pressure to like be a certain way. Um, Like, and just like a lot of rules, particularly in swimming, competitive swimming, like, oh, you got to be like this way. And if you don't, then you won't succeed and you have to be in this kind of shape and you should eat this way and you should do this and whatever. Um, And so the same thing applied in Catholic school, which I was in for 13 years. And that does a real good job of fucking you up um, from both a gender and sexuality perspective. Um, You know, in in a traditional Catholic school, you know, where you wear a uniform and you can't express yourself outside of like maybe your hair and you know, no one's allowed to wear freaking makeup even and you as a woman, you have to wear a skirt and if you don't you risk being called like yeah i I would just like you know you get risk there's so much risk in being made fun of especially when there's like so little that sets you apart when you're in a a uniform i think that um it's so easy to be uh just like picked apart or grilled for like some little thing that's like stands out about yourself um you know and catholic school told me for all 13 years that homosexuality was bad and sinful and I was like, okay, fine, because I like boys, so that was fine. And I, you know, thought I had a choice to just not be into girls, and that apparently that was a choice and I'm also a sin. And I'm not a sinner, and homosexuality is a choice, so like I'll just choose not to have those feelings. <laughs> um, which is, you know, such a warped way to be a kid and even be a high schooler, right? Like it's just uh, to have to like just stunt yourself. In so many of those ways, without like having the opportunity to explore that, um, in like a rigid Catholic school and a rigid swimming program, <laughs> like it's uh, it can be a lot,
0: yeah. I imagine I um wasn't raised Catholic, uh, Catholic, but I grew up in a pretty Christian household, non denominational, and just like going to church, spending a lot of time in youth group, um, I There there's been a lot of like work that I've had to like go back and like reverse like things Mm -hmm. that I've been taught. Right. Um, I was probably like around 18 or 19 when I just maybe even younger, actually, when I was just like, all right, like I want to dig in and figure out what I believe and why I believe it. And I'm not going to believe it just because it's been fed to me my entire life. And that's a, it's an exhausting process to do that. It's also an exhausting process to, um, you know, kind of be, I mean, I was very fortunate to have like parents who, who ultimately, for the most part, allowed me to be who I wanted to be, right. (laughs) But to fall under the pressure of like, all of my friends who were in the church, my leaders who were in the church, things like that. Um, For sure. Yeah, it, it's very difficult because you feel like if you don't abide by A, B and C, then you just don't belong. And that can be a really lonely place to kind of sit in. Um, For sure.
1: so. I mean, you're talking to a person who was in the pro-life club in oh junior year of high school. And now look at me. So, um, you know, things change, yeah, right? Things like change. you can be I mean, it's... very influenced as a kid and like, it is, uh, you know, I <laughs> I just, you know, cared far more, too, about fitting in and not being, like, different than the rest of my friends. And also, like, having a deep enough resume to get myself into college that I just wanted to, like, take on every activity. Sign me up for pro-life club. sure. I don't care about my own rights as a opinion. person with a freaking uterus. Like, uh, it's just, uh, you know mind-boggling
0: yeah <laughs> but, it's, well and that's when that's what you're surrounded by I mean I was the same exact way I spent a year volunteering for a non-profit organization and helping get it off the ground that was really geared towards um like the pro-life um movement right. um and so yeah but it is it is I mean, I had a really difficult time because when I initially started diving inward and like figuring out who I am, what I believe in, and I started detaching from those things, people were like, wait a second, but we've known you as this person your whole life. And it's like, I know, but people change. They really do. So Yes.
1: um, I mean, and everything you just said is the experience of coming out. Like, so, you know, in those ways, I do think that other people like, you know, while it is while well, it is of course extremely different like the idea of just like going against some way of being that you had just kind of had to be um and like you know strongly announcing like actually no <laughs> that's, yeah. that's just not me and I if this other way feels more true for me like that that is that's what coming out is and um it is uh, you know, if you can imagine something that is just like so deep to your core as somebody's religion, for example, like where you're so embedded in that and, you know, raised around it and your entire community is that like, that, that is, that's a hard thing. That's really challenging. Um, Do you have,
0: do you have any kind of like relationship with religion or Catholicism now? Um or like have you experienced any kind of rejection or feeling of shame stemming from that upbringing um with coming out
1: Yeah like I think I uh yeah so i mean my religious wise i am um, i guess i consider my definitely not catholic probably recovering catholic as (laughs) Um, so yeah former pro-lifer turned queer all around so i uh i would say you know i I don't follow any organized religion i have like a tremendous respect for it when people you know of certain faiths do i think everybody kind of sees faith through the same uh or different lenses but ultimately the same thing um and I think my lens now is more just a, um, a more of a spiritual one and more of like a mindful one. Um, and kind of just like thinking a lot more globally and a lot more with the connectedness of myself to other people and to the earth. Um, and I think, uh, my transition also to being vegan had a big play into that too, um, so you know, I don't. I really don't have any. Uh, I guess particular religion at the moment, but the yeah. shame that like I felt as a and, and like the sort of like queer enoughness <laughs> that I like have fight all the time. I think it certainly comes from um, like this internalized biphobia that I had as a result of my Catholic upbringing. Um, you know that that whole like fight of do I have to act on this do I have to tell people like I'm in a marriage to a man like does this matter like what am I gonna do about it or what is the you know what does it matter I, I'm I'm I have my life I've achieved the relationship escalator and got married and like now it's time for kids right like there's uh it's just it's so it's such a just mind fuck to like um think that. about where I've come from and now yeah. where I am now but yeah
0: Yeah. Um, so, so that was kind of your, you know, earlier education, we'll say it was like in this Catholic school, what was, um, what was college like and what did your college experience mean to your sexuality and sexual identity?
1: Yeah. Um, I, so in college, like I, I was swimming constantly. Um, I do not uh, know
0: how to swim. Have I ever told you this? You' not swim, no, it's really bad, and I kayak and stuff all the time, and it is a risk it's a risk. I can tread water for like thirty minutes, maybe, but no matter what I do, I can't go in any one direction. It's very sad. <gasps>
1: Stephanie definitely okay I'm just really glad you can tread water because you know at least if you fall out of your kayak you've got 30 I minutes got 30 minutes for someone <laughs> to come through oh my god well um <laughs> I think there's like a couple other people in uh in your office actually who don't and I told uh one of them that like certainly we need to like arrange for yeah, lesson, so. lessons
0: <laughs> um, we should just have a company-wide swimming
1: yes, right exactly <laughs> I love it <laughs> okay so um, you were swimming a lot yeah so I mean besides swimming um you know as I like actually got to go outside the swim team and um you know go to um meet other people besides the swim team and like people who are in my class which was just like study swim study swim um you know I I definitely uh began to understand that I wasn't straight. Um, but this was probably my first like active denial. Um, I remember, um, I went to Lehigh university, which like, you know, while I'm sure is like a bit different now, then was like very homogenous, very much like, you know, kind of a, a, a cookie cutter. There was like, you know, only a couple different types of people there, um, type of thing. And like, there wasn't a huge embracing of, Anything that was different, I learned pretty quickly that, like, going against the grain meant like, you were, like, not really wanted um, in, a, in a few different ways. Um, and then the LGBTQ center door was, like, catty corner to the food hall entrance. Mm-hmm. And I would just, like, be walking towards the food <laughs> hall directly to this giant sign that says LGBTQIA+. And I'm, like, oh, God, like, I can't look at it too long. Like, I will out myself if I'm just staring at it and like I'm in front of all these people. And, um, you know, I just remember that feeling so distinctly that I was just like actively like, nope, nope, you're not there. You're not going there. It's fine. You're fine. You like boys. You like boys. You like <laughs> boys. like And that's enough. Right. Um, but there also just like, wasn't a hell of a lot of accessibility or visibility for bisexuality in general too. So like, I didn't even have understanding of that I definitely had like my own biphobia I didn't think it was real I thought you had to choose I thought that, like there's just no way that like you can be both how could you possibly be both um so I you know went through all of those questions and would just like pushed it push it aside um but as I got older and in my 20s and at this point like I am dating Brian um I did get to have that sort of oh shit feeling of like oh, I'm, like, attracted to – I'm really attracted to women. Like, I'm also attracted to other people. Like, what? Shit. <laughs> like, and it just felt like a really stupid, stupid idea to, like, even try to admit that. Um, Was there, I mean? like,
0: a specific situation, like, or a specific person that, like, kind of made you just come to terms with, like, okay, I've probably been feeling this for a while, but, like, now this is absolute, like, I I have this attraction
1: yeah I mean I'm like uh I also had this like uh internalized compulsory monogamous thing in me that meant like got like you can't be attracted to other people if you're in a relationship so mm-hmm. like I just like actively deny that I even had an attraction and once I like had been talking to a friend who was gay um and I kind of like started telling her about this like person I was like I just like really like her I, don't know, I, I can't fully really figure it out and she's like are you like attracted to her like into her I'm like I don't I guess I was like am I and she's like you sound like this sounds very gay Alina like, you sound really gay. <laughs> I was, like oh no, no and I was like that's not supposed to happen like I love Brian like this can't those things can't coexist and like I was like okay like fuck I guess this is a thing but um I'm not I'm just gonna keep it push it aside and like not have not worry about it, right? And like, you know, the more you we you know what happens when you do that, the more you deny something and push something aside, the, like more it kind of grows. Yeah, um, it and, just kind of consumes you. Yeah. And um, like, you know, I i already like it was just it was kind of like a why, why tell anyone this thing? <laughs> like, don't tell anyone, it's a dirty secret.
0: Yeah. Um, so at what point, I guess, um, so this is all happening while you're dating Brian. So this is in like your twenties. Um, so at what point, like, did you tell him when those feelings kind of surfaced for this other person?
1: Um, not like any particular individual then or anything. I, um, I think like really early on, like maybe a year into our relationship, I told him like, Hey, I think I like kind of have some attraction to women, but then we just like didn't talk about it again yeah, um just like and like a normal like Tuesday
0: conversation
1: <laughs> sure. yeah it was just like you know we're just like hanging out and whatever <laughs> like it's junior year of college like yeah. you know sometimes I think maybe I'm attracted women mm-hmm. okay the end um and then like why why bring it up like why talk about it right especially like when I, I hadn't felt so confident myself either and um but eventually I think maybe like I was 24 25 um had like a big conversation around my sexuality and was just like, Oh, like this is there. And I need you to know, I need like to be able to sort of openly talk about this as like, I, you know, give myself some like sort of freedom to just like understand it. Um, oh. And he was, I think very relieved, honestly, and, and understanding i have been, Probably kind of a miserable mess to live with, frankly. At that point, um, pretty depressed, anxious, very, very confused, drinking a lot, going out late, like to just—I mean, like all—all all the reasons that anybody like drinks too much, really. Like, and I thought I would just like drown out my queerness, and instead, it just like really brought it out. But like, <laughs> just like, you know, it doesn't—it doesn't really um, just you know, diminish your queerness really drinking. It really doesn't. Um no, so, it doesn't I, it doesn't solve any problems. No, no, no. matter what they motivation. are. You know? Yeah. Um, so I uh I think like in telling him and, and kind of like sort of coming out about that at that time um was really helpful. But I was just like, okay, well we're good now. Like I can just put this away. Like I told Brian, I love him. I don't need the rest of this. Like I love Brian the end like is it just you know why, why do I have to like keep uh digging into that or anything um and so I just kind of put it away and that is a very hard challenging thing to do and it obviously came to a head um so <laughs> I, I was actually sorry again
0: oh no that's okay I was just gonna say so it sounds like really before you could have like an in-depth heart-to-heart real conversation about it with him you obviously had to do a lot of self-exploration which makes sense um during that process at all did you I know you mentioned like when you were talking discussing like the different privileges you've experienced throughout this Mm -hmm. um were you able to like utilize therapy or you know what what kind of aided you through that like that self-exploration to coming to terms with all of this
1: yeah. I actually had some pretty poor therapy experiences, um, in when I tried to get help around that time. Uh, and, um, it's kind of funny, honestly, that I'm going to like go become a social worker yeah. after I've had like such crap experiences with, uh, with several of them. But, um, at the same time, any social worker I work with has like taught me something, either how I definitely don't want to be as a therapist or, um, <laughs> how, uh, how to be helpful in, in these kinds of situations. And, um, so I was, I was like, quite depressed and I like, I had a therapist who just told me like in session one, like you should just break up with Brian or are you just gay oh my or just like ask, oh my God, the worst just the the worst kinds of like invalidating questions. Um, I like walked out of a session, like a second session with someone, and I, I mean, I was just so upset and livid, and that stuff sticks with you. Um,
0: yeah, I imagine it, like, it makes you like more confused and hurt than when you went in. I mean, I've yeah. gone I've gone to therapy, and it took me going through three, like you said, very similar, awful therapists where I was just like, this is not a fit until I found yeah. someone that I like really connected with. And we had the same values and the same approaches to things. Um, yeah. so, but yeah, when you, I, I mean, I'm an advocator for therapy because it's done so much for me that I could never have it even anticipated, but I always right. say like one size doesn't fit all. And when you're in the process of like trying to find your fit, it can be exhausting and very disheartening I'm really sorry that you went through that
1: yeah I mean you make excellent points though like you know I'm sure that those people are really helpful to someone but not to me like just not in alignment in, in that piece and I was like also before I even knew to look for somebody who um is lgbtq friendly (laughs) <laughs> like just didn't even know that it was a thing I should look for in a therapist. Um, or like when you call and like kind of interview a therapist for ten minutes, like see if there's a good fit or something. I like I had no idea to even look for that, nor did I want to because I was not ready to admit it to myself. Yeah, that that thing I needed help with. Honestly, even and then to say ad, it to a stranger over the phone. <laughs> oh yeah, like uh, oh hey, like random person I've never met. Like I think I might be queer help like what like that's just say it feels so foreign especially then when you're in like just this intense denial but like you know you need help with maybe like depression and like don't know that that's really the root of it um but yeah i mean I, i i definitely had i had some like supportive friends thankfully um i met this uh that person i was just talking about um girl in uh she now lives in Georgia but like at the time we were taking improv class together and like she was just amazing we really hit it off and like we we're really close friends and I think without her sort of helping me acknowledge it and, and even at the time what we met I don't even think she was out um but I think she sort of helped me understand what I was even feeling and that it might be something I actually need to explore um and and think about beyond just the fact that like okay yes I'm a person in a relationship doesn't mean I can't have a sexuality, like have an identity.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's good that you, you know, had that person because, you know, whether it's a therapist, a licensed professional, or just someone that you know, I think it's important to kind of have that safe space where you can process things aloud um, and just like be seen and be heard, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm really grateful for who I've met since then therapist-wise. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's awesome. So you, um, after, you know, the self-work, the self-exploration, kind of going through therapists, talking with Brian, um, you came out to friends and family when?
1: Um, I think in, like, late August or like, the fall is, like, I kind of did a slow trickle of telling Friends and family, some people I was retelling that I'd like maybe like drunkenly confessed it to. In in 2019?
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you say drunkenly confess because one of my, like one of my best friends um, recently came out and she had text messaged me and she was like I I have something to tell you and instantly before I even respond she's like I've done a lot of shots of tequila please don't not love me and before I I could she could even say anything I went to my notepad and I like put the timestamp and I put like Eric's going to come out because I knew that there was no way that she was gonna oh god I'm gonna have to bleep her name but I put you know she's going to come out because I knew there was no way that she was gonna believe that I knew already (laughs) and so and she texts me and um she like came out as gay and uh and it was just it was this like really beautiful moment where I was like I knew it but like I wanted you to know it like I wanted you to come into it when you were ready um but yeah it was funny because she had
1: taken a lot of shots of tequila to tell (laughs) me oh yeah I like I think with my friend Kelly I uh like cried on the way home from like a work happy hour like that went way too late like a happy hour 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 hours like maybe one in the morning on the subway home to Brooklyn and I I was just like blabbed and started crying and like the next day I made her go meet me at like a coffee shop we both work from home and I was like I need to like explain myself like I like can't believe I just blabbed all of that to you but like I feel like I need to like talk about things and like Um, at this time, like, I had already told Brian, like, some stuff, but, like, just, like, at that particular moment, things were, like, felt really hard for me, and I felt like she was, like, a safe person to tell it to. Thank God she was, Um, and, like, she still is, but, like, I retold her in, uh, like, November of this past year, and um, she was just, like, I I recently thanked her again. Um, She said something to me about, like, this is so going to be like, just like a blip on the fucking history of your life later. Like the fact that you're like telling me this now and like you coming out, like it is like, and she's straight, like there's just no like, you know, frame of reference really for like this kind of particular experience. But like, I think she just knew that this was me and that it was going to be framed for me to, to come out. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. But uh, yeah, come December of last year is when I, in true millennial fashion came out on social media (laughs) on instagram and facebook and it's not um, real until it's on facebook (laughs) yeah and you know i was like i don't know if i mean maybe in like high school and, and early college I was probably like an overshare person on social media oh I was I have that. time
0: like, hop and like things come up and I'm like oh, Stephanie God, so I'm like to why see. like 16 year old even 19 year old Stephanie just like oh, really God. needed
1: to buy a journal yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and people would make fun of me all the time I'm like I don't know I just Facebook gives me what I was thinking and so <laughs>
0: It was definitely a marketing issue on
1: Facebook's end. (laughs) Yes, right? I believe in Facebook. Why ask me if you don't want to know? (laughs) You know, and maybe it was just that no one was asking me. Yeah. So Facebook did. And I felt like saying, well, I'm having lunch, Facebook. (laughs)
0: exactly mine would be like texting Brooke gonna watch he's just not that into you might eat Taco Bell and I'm like oh my god I guarantee nobody cared
1: like why were you giving the whole world a play-by-play no and now of course we all do right like Instagram stories are just like especially in quarantine we're all like hey this is what I'm doing now this is what I'm doing now this is what I'm doing now um because we have no actual in real life social life but yeah so I so I did post something to social media um in December and that was only hours after I told my in-laws um wow and but it was because it felt like telling them and also telling um the best man at our wedding um they felt like the last boxes to check and they felt like so close to Brian and not I I felt so nervous you know to like felt like I was miss had misled them or something for so long about myself and that it felt like really difficult to just like almost like confess that I actually had told, um, Jim, our best friend's uh, wife, <laughs> earlier in, like, November, and I'm sure that he was prepped because he was amazing and he said all the right things, but, oh, okay. um, and my in-laws, too, were, like, also, you know, really lovely, but um, at the same time, very caught off guard, I think, and wanted to talk to Brian, and, like, we had to, like, have a lot of conversations um, beyond that, and, of course, it was, like, a little alarming to be, like, told in the morning and then by the nighttime I've told the world like yeah (laughs) like like a little jarring I'm sure for 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 that Um, yeah um but yeah I like had a nice little um spiel
0: (laughs) so I definitely want to dive into you know we only have a little bit more time left I do want to get into kind of what your experience was you know um I have a few more questions, uh, about like coming out to the people that you love. Um, I just want to touch on briefly, you know, did you feel like it was a little bit more difficult to come out later in life than it would have been when you were younger, because you had already like, you know, established this like persona, I guess, of yourself for (laughs) so long. And then you had to like debunk that. Um, so do, do you feel like it was more difficult or do you think it was like easier? What was your experience there?
1: I mean I think um being older and having like more life experience certainly um made me more sure of myself when I finally did it um you know and I definitely have as an adult more access and um you know representation in culture and media and more like frames of reference for things like access to mental health care um the ability to do things on my own without like you know my parental supervision or having to like go through the process of like confessing something to somebody that you like might need help so like there's a lot of challenges I think for younger people in coming out that like um you know like I and I was going to school. there was just like no way I was going to come out at least not before college um so you know while I I don't know if it's harder or easier as an adult. I think I I just have been able to stand a little bit more firmly in my truth as an adult than I might've been able to as a, as a kid. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's particularly easy at any age for anybody. Um, but there is just like a lot more out there than there was. Um, even in quarantine, I have, found queer community which has been amazing and like that's not something I even had much of six months ago so um to be able to like reach out and have that when I'm like otherwise living in you know a a house with a straight person that like can't really relate to me in those sorts of ways like um to be able to like have that openness to to make queer connections Um, yeah
0: yeah, I think that a big thing too is like when you, for people who are coming out at a younger age, I think it's a little bit easier for your family to be like it's a phase or like oh, your frontal yeah. the lobe, denial yeah has to like yeah go yeah like your frontal uh, lobe is not even developed you know nothing right. and so it's like oh, God, so yeah. I, I imagine that part of like being an adult is a little bit makes it a little bit more easy because people know that you have like formed opinions and ideas and and you're like well educated. And and so, yeah, I imagine it's a little bit different in that sense where like people may respect the decision and take it more serious. Um, But that's, you know, the whole, the whole it's a phase is not valid. So if you're a younger listener going through any of this and you do like have that response, you like that you deserve uh, a better response than that.
1: Um yeah I mean I think if you're if you're younger too and you are having those feelings like uh, the fact that you're having them despite the fact that you know our society and families and culture and stuff will will likely be less supportive like it's 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 a huge strength to even just like pay attention to yourself that way Mm um and to like listen to your own truth because we look at three-year-olds and we're like oh do you have a boyfriend like like and and then we say that like you're too young to understand if you're queer like what yeah but we'll go do that to kids we have gender reveal parties but like they're not they're not old enough to understand their own gender yeah these kids aren't even born yet and we're throwing blue and pink balloons at them and like creating a whole world in our environments and societies and families or whatever to prepare for the arrival of this child and the fact that they're going to be this gender we're assigning them because we found out they end up being sort of vagina and right. it's just like, what? Like, and so if you are having those feelings as a younger person, I think, like, I encourage people to, to keep questioning and think critically and be curious. And it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't have to identify a certain way, even if you have a certain attraction. You can identify however you want. Like, you, you can identify, you can you can even still call yourself straight if you have some attraction to other people. Or you can call yourself gay and even just have attraction to uh, somebody of, an, of the opposite sex or a different gender. It doesn't. It's, it's really all about what, what you're comfortable with. Um, and I know like coming out as a young kid has to be just like immensely isolating and difficult in certain situations. Um, most situations, but, um, I, I would like to encourage anybody who feels like that to like find some small way, maybe some person, some thing on the internet <laughs> or something that yeah. is, uh, you know, even just like a small way to come out or a small way to safely, um, you know not put yourself in in any kind of danger but safely access like some sort of help um some sort of like space where you can at least explore that safe space yeah
0: yeah so you kind of touched on you know your experience coming out and people being receptive um you you touched on you know telling your your friends some of them for the second time um you touched on your um your in-laws and your parents and you know it makes sense that they were kind of all caught off guard at first um but all in all it seems like um people like the people in your life were pretty receptive and supportive of this um regardless of like regardless of that we've acknowledged that like it was very difficult right um yeah I I'm curious as to uh two things I guess the first being Um, how, you know, how it's impacted your relationship with Brian, if they're, um, you know, like, has he been pretty supportive? What was his response when you chose to like, come out to the rest of both of your families? And then, um, I guess in addition to that, just if there's anything that you would have changed as to how you like shared this part of yourself with the people in your life.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, first with Brian, like, he's amazing. Um, And, uh, you know, he had obviously known this for quite a long time. And, you know, when we were just engaged, I said to him, like, you know, I'm eventually going to come out about this. Like, I know it's not like, it doesn't feel like pertinent or something, but like, I'm going to have to, like, if I ever have like kids or if I have small children in my life, like I want them to know, I want to create the safe space for other people And, you know, while it doesn't feel like important to me at that particular moment a few years ago, I was like, I I know it will be. Um, And I needed him to be on board with that before we got married. And he was. That's Um, awesome. And, uh, you know, as I like was in therapy last year, um, I I think maybe like August or something, I had a conversation with him. I was just like, I I think I want to come out to more people or like come out to everyone. But I'm like... I'm afraid of making it hard on you um, or like making it too challenging for you to like reckon with or to have people judge us or judge you. And like, he immediately was like, one, I had no idea that this was like so much of a, like because I'm like crying hysterically like I can barely get words out telling him this like he had no idea that it was like such a struggle for me um because I never fucking said anything surprise um and so once I did he was like well yeah you should just you should tell everybody I don't like of course it's your thing Aww, you go crying. <laughs> yeah um and like you know I'm sure like <laughs> yeah, he said that of course. Um, I think as I actually did that, there were certainly some challenges to like what my coming out meant and how the reality like really did impact him. But um, you know, but he knew it was mine to deal with and that he needed to like respect that. Um, So he actually, I think was, as I like started having these one-on-one conversations with people and family and friends and stuff, he knew how like difficult and trying it was for me to have to like explain my whole story to people over and over again. He's like, you should just post something on social media. I was like, what? I can't fucking do that. Also, I haven't even told your family. Like, and he's like, oh right, yeah, I mean, maybe we should tell my family and we should tell, you know, What I was like, I haven't even what was too fast um but like he opened that door for me to like really just kind of like okay like let's just get this out there um and it was i was texting him after i had told his parents in the morning um on december 12th uh <laughs> um and i like said to him like i think i'm just gonna post something and he's like yeah do you want to wait for me to get home i'm like no i think i'm good and he's like okay do you want me to, like get champagne and was, like, at the time i wasn't drinking and i was like no, I think I just like want to feel this. and yeah. like, I just want to do it. And so I typed up something quick and took a selfie and posted something at like 730 or something on like a Thursday night. And I was just like, put my phone down, put it on Do Not Disturb uh, and just like sat there and cried. And Brian came home right in the middle of that. And I was like, I'm not ready for you yet. Like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he came in down like in a like, half hour later and I'm still sitting there just like taking deep breaths and trying to like, you know, adjust to the fact that I just publicly posted that. And then I picked up my phone and I had like overwhelming support from people and, I couldn't believe it, and that was just, I mean, I can get emotional now. Um, it was awesome, it, and it was, like, the best I've ever really felt those next couple of days. Like, I just never had, um, I'd never felt so, like, myself and so um, glad to have been truthful. Um, and within the next week, like, maybe, like, six or seven. And now at this point, like at least a dozen people have come out to me either about their sexuality or their identity in some way. And, um, you know, I realized that like speaking my truth and living it was helping other people. And really that's how I got to where I was too, was other people having done that before me. Um, and I, that's why I appreciate even being able to talk to you about this now. And I hope that, somebody somewhere gets, like, something out of hearing somebody else's story, um, even if it's, like, not even close to quite similar as theirs, but at least, like, you know, um, have some uh, understanding of what coming out could be like. And, you know, I wish that feeling of feeling so truthful and honest and myself for everyone. I, like, wish I could—I wish it was contagious. I wish I could give it to everyone It has given me this just like barometer of what my truth is and what feels right and good to me. And to have that contrast of how I felt before that day and how I felt, felt since. And like running into certain situations that make me like uncomfortable now, I can like more clearly reach into myself and understand what feels good and right and true as opposed to what I might be contorting myself to fit somebody else's like, idea of me or make somebody else comfortable or whatever um and I think that to answer your other question is the important part too like I I realized really quickly that I was gonna have to like take care of a lot of people's feelings around my sexuality and I just stopped um and I said like you know I don't really owe you anything like Brian's really the only person I owed anything to um
0: the rest and, is just noise you have to cancel
1: out. Yeah. I mean, even family, even my, my closest friends, like, uh, you know, and it's not to not emphasize with like the idea that this is different and that like you've known me as a certain way and now like, oh my God, all of a sudden you're not like, no, I've been this way this whole time. You just didn't have a word for it and neither did I and I didn't tell you about it. So like, uh you know, having, like, just having to, like, go get people and take care of their feelings, I was like, nah, I'm good. Like, I'm not not doing that. I've got to do that for myself and, like, contort myself to make other people feel good for far too long. Like, that's not what I'm here to do. Um, So I think it's, like, really important to be unapologetically myself, and I feel far fucking better doing it, and I feel um, like I'm, you know, able to create space for other people to do the same thing. So yeah,
0: yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, this has been great. I mean, it's been everything that I expected and more. <laughs> um, I think the importance for me was just like after reading some of the questions that were submitted by listeners, I felt like your story would be really relevant. You know, seeing you walk in on, you know, a Friday, and then seeing you walk in on, we'll say the next Wednesday, with so much freedom was, um, just, like, incredible to witness, I guess, and I think that your story is really powerful, um, and I'm glad that, like, we really dove into, like, the coming out experience for you and not just how you identify, right, because I think media does, like, TV shows, movies do this good job of, like, um, portraying it as an experience where, like, a couple tears are shed and your parents are like, we'll always love you for you. And that's it. But there's so many more <laughs> like emotions uh, surrounding it. Yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I think to just like dissect that experience. And again, it's not this one size fits all. Everyone's experience is different, but to kind of like have a real story of like what it looked like for you, I think um, was really important in and, and Um, my plan for this episode. So I appreciate you because I imagine it takes a lot of like vulnerability to talk about something (laughs) that's so intimate, especially on a platform that's going to be released to however many people all over. Um, So I (laughs) ah! (laughs) cancel it all. No, Um, (laughs) how many people, but no, so, so I really, um, I want you to know I didn't take it, I don't take it lightly. And I really consider it an honor that you were willing to share so much with me. Um, And in my intro, I mentioned just like watching you kind of bloom throughout all of this has been a gift. And so yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, I just want to give you the opportunity because I know you have like a lot of creative endeavors of your own. You have a blog, you do photography. So is there anything before we wrap up that you like want to plug or anything that you want to kind of say as last words to anyone listening?
1: Yeah, um, I do do photography. Obviously, that's a little bit different um, these days because yeah. we are at a certain distance. Um but I've just been writing a lot about what, again, what's true for me. So I do post that and I share stuff on Instagram. So, um, people are free to follow me at, this is actually Alina, um, at A-L-E-N-A. Yeah. I'll (laughs) tag uh, you too. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I can't claim to be some mental health expert or, um, you know, somebody's therapist. I'm, I'm not a therapist yet. Maybe you know, in a couple of years, I'll get to have a license to to help people. But um, you know, I certainly can be um, just a sounding board if if there's anybody listening who feels like they um, need that small supportive somebody to just come out to. I don't mind being that person. Um, you know, it's a it's a gift that I ever had that, and I'm really really grateful for it. And I think especially now in this socially distanced way um having that access in that community is like super important um so yeah that's that's what i'm here for and hopefully um you know in I, I hope that i get to keep doing this and keep being public even as a social worker um and that i get to keep sharing as i learn more about myself and about other people and advocating for um you know queer rights and trans rights and um, social justice in general and yeah so also if you have any resources for me anybody who listens if you uh can think of like I'm I'm all yours, and um I love to read and I love to learn so
0: yeah that's awesome All right. Well, that's a wrap then. Uh, If you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I will, um, you know, tag Alina in um, Instagram posts so that you're able to follow her, reach out to her. Um, If you're not already, follow uh, the podcast at is that embarrassing? On Instagram, you can listen to us on Luminary, SoundCloud, Spotify, or iTunes. (laughs) And um, yeah, also, again, I mentioned earlier, but a website is coming. It's going to be like, it's going to make submitting secrets a little bit easier. But for the time being, if you want to submit secrets via email, um, they're still being accepted. So yeah, um, that's all until next week. So